something, especially like Slack, where we use Slack every day, we are just way, way too close to it. And you can kind of lose sight of what a brand new non-Slack user thinks. It's always just comes down to like, what is the best thing for the customer? And like, what are they gonna say? And like really, really putting yourself in their shoes and trying to have that empathy. Hey, I'm Cody Bernard, and you're listening to Getting to Market, a show that gives you an inside look into what it takes to successfully launch a new product. In each episode, we'll chat with go-to-market leaders about how they go to market, covering the tools, tactics, and tricks that they use so you can take your own product launches to the next level. My guest today is Shika Kaiwar, Product Marketing at Slack. Today's episode is brought to you by the ProductLaunchMasterclass.com. This is the product launch course for product marketers that need help transforming their launches into their CEO's favorite marketing weapon. It was created by my former colleague, Dan Murphy. Dan ran product marketing at Drift and is now running brand and product marketing at Privy. Over 150 product marketers have taken the course and learned Dan's proven launch framework. You can check out their reviews of the course at theproductlaunchmasterclass.com. Now the course normally costs $99, but because you're a listener of Getting to Market, you can get it today for only $59. All you have to do is use a promo code getting to market, all one word, all caps. Again, that code is getting to market, all one word, all caps. Visit the productlaunchmasterclass.com right now to get this course. So with that, let's get into today's interview. I'm here with Shika Kaiwar, product marketing at Slack. Shika, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, excited to be here this week. Same. I'm excited that you could join. I know that this is probably one of the episodes I am most excited for, specifically, not just because you're on and just the conversations (laughs) that we've had with the high energy, but obviously you work at one of the most exciting, fastest growing companies that we've seen over the last decade, Slack. Yeah. it's. uh, I mean, I've only been here a little over a year and a half, but it's, it's been a wild ride already. Where did you work before Slack? I was at Dropbox before Slack, um, also kind of in the marketing space. Um, and before, before that, I was at uh, Thumbtack and then Uber. Uh, and then before that, Sidecar, which is the, the OG ride-sharing company. I have never heard of that company, but definitely heard of the other two. That's some pretty good yeah. that you're bringing to the table. So tell me a little bit more about your role at Slack. Yeah. So um, I am, like you said, I'm a PMM at Slack. I am actually a growth PMM. So kind of what that means is, you know, I'm not tied to a single product necessarily as a traditional PMM would, but I instead uh, spend a lot of my time running tons of experiments to drive the right types of actions for the product of Slack. Um, I work really closely with our product lifecycle team, uh, specifically on the monetization side, so the conversion side. Um, For those are kind of my partners as we're thinking about what type of experiments to run uh, to get people to commit to Slack. So for people that might have been living under a rock over the last like half decade, uh, <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about Slack and what you guys do? Yeah. So Slack is a business software designed to help you collaborate and work better with not only your team, but even external partners all kind of from one place. Um, and, you know, it's really secure no matter where you are. And it really helps, especially in this day and age uh, with our remote work atmosphere that we are all living in. Yeah, I was going to say over the last, I know, three, four, five months, I have used Slack nonstop and I actually use it way more than email. And I know like that was kind of part of your positioning in the beginning was like, hey, let's not spend as much time in our email. Let's actually focus on the conversations that we need to be having right now. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, a big culture shift for anyone who joins Slack is we don't even use email. Um, I, and I, this is funny when, even when we were meeting, I was like, I never check my personal email anymore. So, but it's great for work because we're just so much faster at doing everything. 
yeah, for context, I hit uh, Shika up for like, I think it was like three or four different times over email, but it just made a ton of sense once you were like, we don't do that here. We actually yeah. just use Slack internally. And I mean, I completely got it. So uh, thank you for tuning into your email and, and jumping on the podcast with me today. Yeah. And it's a good PSA for anyone else who wants to contact me. I'm like, just be patient. I promise that I just am bad at checking email now. Yeah. Well, I think that we're all like that too, but I actually have been yeah. made, making a, a little bit of a shift back to the email game, mainly because it's providing a little bit of normalcy um, than, you know, with the whole work from home movement, but I still definitely prefer Slack. Yeah. Good to hear. Then we're doing our job well. So today on the show, we're going to talk about one of the launches that you uh, took ownership over, over the last few months. Um, and something that's probably a little bit untraditional than some of the stuff that I've talked about with a few of my other guests um, on the show so far. And we're going to be talking about the Slack trial motion. Yes. Um, so trials has been a really big focus of the company. Um, and it's actually one of the things that I have been working on alongside the product team for almost a year now. I think it first came into fruition, I think, yeah, exactly around this time last year. Um, and now it's like a company objective, which is crazy. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about how the trial works. Yeah. So, I mean, the initial idea was that it was like, you know, we at Slack know how amazing Slack is. We obviously use it all the time. Um, but we also know that it can be, it can be really hard to understand how great Slack is until you get a chance to use it. Um, and that's kind of where this trials came in. We're like, if we can just let people try out one of the paid Slack plans for some time, we believe that they'll be able to see the value it provides and then want to commit to, to paying for Slack. Um, and so that was kind of the idea we worked up and figured out like, what are all the different ways that we want to do to try to test this? And then ultimately landed on trials as our go-to go -to motion. Yeah, I think that's super smart. Because oh, just to get this straight, if I'm a user and I go to slack.com right now and I sign up for a free trial, I'll have access to all of your premium functionality for a certain period of time. And then after that period of time's up, I get reverted back to the basic tier. Is that how it works? Exactly. Yeah, you'll get reverted back to the basic tier. Um, and, you know, we have two trial types. So like the first is the, we call it the Slack Connect trial. So Slack Connect is this a really cool feature about Slack where you can work with external partners uh, for right within Slack. So if you have like vendors or, you know, salespeople have prospective customers, you can work with them in Slack and it's really cool and really secure and don't need an email anymore. Um, so, but you know, if you already pay for Slack and let's say you want to work with someone who either doesn't use Slack at all, or they're on the free version, because this is a paid feature, you can actually invite them to this, to share a channel with you. Um, and channels are these like workspaces where you're all doing your work. And then this other team will get put on a 90 day trial. So they'll kind of access to all of Slack's paid features as you on this other team who already uses Slack, you can work with them directly on whatever project you have three months to work on that. Um, and also kind of play around and see, get the full Slack experience. So that's kind of the first one. That must be quite the viral loop that you guys have going on. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And this one, I think we just launched that in June or July. So pretty recently. Um, and it's, you know, and Slack already is a pretty sticky product and just being able to see the value of like working with your other partners in Slack and just how much faster it goes. Um, you know, the results speak for themselves. Right. So where did the idea come from? Where did the ideas like actually stem from when you guys were like, Hey, we're going to initiate a trial motion and try to see how this goes with our customers. Yeah. So I think there is two ones. So I think I'll, I'll talk about the Slack Connect trial in just a second. The other one, which is actually a much larger reach, um, was the one that I've worked on a lot. 
And this is the 30-day trial option. So this actually goes for any new user who joined Slack for the very first time. Um, they get enrolled in a 30-day free trial. And then, you know, after 30 days, they'll get to see if they want to upgrade. Um, and the idea was this exactly like, you know, we were sitting, we did a, did a big design sprint last year and tried to figure out like, what are these big questions we want to answer? Um, and, and we brought in like all these cross-functional people. We had like customer support, marketing, analytics, research. And we were like, okay, like why do people pay for Slack? Like, why do they like it? And then we're like, okay, so this is, these are the some ways they like it. Like they have this Slack Connect feature. They, you know, it helps them work faster, all these things. Uh, and then it's like, how can we help them realize Slack's value in a really seamless way? So, you know, you don't want to push anything onto someone. Like you want it to be the best customer experience. Um, so how can we do that? And then, you know, then you kind of go in the next set, okay, like who is this audience for? Like who are these people who are actually going to pay for Slack? So you kind of get into these like big questions um, and then kind of like narrow it down. And, you know, we, Slack, as Slack, we're really big into design sprints. We actually just did one this morning too for the second phase of trials. So it's very top of mind. Um, and, you know, like in a, this was a before COVID world. So you did like these post-it brainstorms and we had this entire map of the customer journey. So we're actually looking and saying like, who, at what point in the customer journey should we start talking to these people? Um, and then, you know, then we're like coming up with a prototype. Uh, and then during the week, we actually like tested this out with real users. And we're like, if we were to do this trial experience, you know, what would you like about it? What would you want to see? Like, what is confusing to you? And then we tested that one with Slack users and non-Slack users, because ultimately that was our audience to see if we were on the right track. And then once we had this kind of final prototype, then like the real experiments began where we're like, okay, let's like test this in the wild and see what happens. Yeah, that's really cool. So when you think about, let's fo let's focus on the packaging of like the features. I mean, you guys were saying like, okay, what do people love about Slack and what can we give them access to? Did you guys change anything in part of your packaging uh, or did you guys create like an a la carte type of option for the trial or how did that work? Yeah, it's a good question. So um, we didn't change anything about the pricing or packaging. Um, you know, that's one is a lot, much larger conversation that would probably take much longer to execute on. Um, and I think as being a growth PM, PMM, like experimentation and making quick decisions is kind of the name of the game. So it really was like working with what we have. Um, but it was, you know, I think a lot of it was exactly where like the PMM hat comes in is like, what do we want people to know? Um, and, you know, if you see, like, if you go to our pricing page, like, it's kind of overwhelming. There's a lot, like, there's a lot of features. So you kind of have to step back and be like, what are the top three things that people need to know, especially for putting them on a trial and they're going to experience something, these premium plan for the first time. You guys leverage those for the things that you were going to anchor your communications around, I'm assuming. Like you guys said, like, these are the three things that we know Slack users are actually going to love. So then I'm assuming you leverage that in a lot of the communications. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's kind of, and that's where having strong data science partners comes in to actually be like, what are the features that people are going to want to use the most opposite and become sticky enough that they'll want to pay for the product. Uh, Slack Connect is like one of those obvious features and it's a huge differentiating factor. Like no other collaboration software offer this ability where you can work with other people from inside your same software. So that is kind of a no-brainer for us to push push that out at its own trial, even separate from this 30-day option that we that we also have. Right. So when this idea came when you were saying like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna try a trial motion out at Slack, what did the launch plan look like? Was it something that you went through the traditional type of launch process that you guys go through at Slack or was this something that was more ad hoc that you put together? Yeah, I am kind of in the middle. It was uh, it was like a big go-to-market launch in a way, but it's more like, this is the end goal. Like we want to launch this, like we call it like, you know, a five-star trial experience. What are all the things that we need to do to get there? And then let's start experimenting and getting there. So, you know, whether it's like, well, how long should the trial be? 
when do we introduce them, introduce users to this? Like, is it when they write, when they sign up? Is it later on where it is? Like, which features are we going to talk about the most? Um, I mean, there's like a, so many other factors in there. So there's like, and then you kind of like go through that and you have these sprints. So I think one thing, especially with growth PMMs and my role is like, I kind of operate almost on product timelines because I work super, super closely with them. So, you know, product works on sprints. So I'm also plugged into these a big, okay, in the six weeks, here's the experiments we're going to run. And from my side, I'm like, okay, let's, what messaging do we want to test? What other marketing channels are we going to put in here? Like, are we going to test an email nurture flow, um, which is what we just did this last quarter? Are we going to test like any web entry points? Are we going to have paid ads driving them to the thing? So everything is just like a bunch of experiments until we get to that final launch date. Um, and I think unlike a traditional go-to-market where you usually have like an end date that you're working towards, we don't have one, right? It's like, it could be six months, it could be one year. And this I think took seven months before we were like, okay, this is good enough where this is, we can launch this into the wild as a new product experience. Yeah, I was going to say that's exactly the way that I was just thinking about it. Like when you were actually just walking through that entire thing, I'm like, wait, hold on. You're just basically describing the entire go-to-market approach, but you're just like basically testing out every single thing that you're going to do throughout the process so that by the time it comes to your customers actually giving this a shot, it's already done, right? You've already like tested all this stuff out and you know that it's going to work. Yeah, exactly. And this is actually how a lot of like CPG brands work. Like if you look at Procter and Gamble and Johnson and Johnson, like they do crazy amount of research and experimentation before they launch their product. And they know they're, they're, it's not software, but it's the same thing. Like when they launch it, it needs to be ready to go or else, I mean, for them, I'm sure the margins are much higher. Right. So who else did you get involved? You said that you were really close with product on this. When you actually think about who you worked most closely with throughout the organization, who would you say that would be? Yeah, I think the biggest ones were um, analytics and research um, and customer support as well, but analytics and research were really our biggest partners. Um, and a lot of it was like, you know, it's experimentation, but also doing research at the same time and overlaying these two, uh, which can be a little bit confusing, but it's really cool when you're doing it. So, you know, like while product is maybe running some experiment testing, like how long should the trial date be? I'm here working with the research saying, okay, how are we, how do we message this trial? Like, is this a free, you know, no credit card re required trial? Is this like a gift? Is this whatever other messaging we come up with? And then testing that in the wild. And then we kind of like overlay the two onto each other. Um, so research is like my best friend during all of this, especially on the messaging front. And then similar to what I mentioned earlier, analytics as well, so to figure out like what are those sticky features that people are using that we therefore want to highlight in the product. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And then when you went to actually go roll this out to everybody, you know, within the company, what did that look like? What was your internal communication strategy? Yeah, so I mean, because we were doing so much experimentation for a good six, seven months, uh, you know, there is always a rippling of what people are working on. So I think it wasn't, it's not like a huge surprise in that way. Uh, but, you know, like this, we were really changing the entire product experience. Like we were saying that like people need to go on a trial before they decide to buy Slack. This is the best way for them to experience it. And, you know, that requires a lot of discussions with the exact team to be like, hey, like we think this is going to work. Here is a huge deck of all of our learnings and rationale of why we think this is going to work. And like we should do this. And like most importantly, we think that this is going to be the best experience for the user. And that's kind of what it ultimately comes down to, like, especially when having those conversations is like, what is going to be the best for the customer? Um, and then after you have all those conversations, then it can finally launch. Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. So when you were actually going through and, and you know, building out, like doing all of these tests and going through all of that entire process, did you use any sort of tools? Like what was like your best friend? Was there like a massive Asana board with all of these things filled out? Or like, what do you use when you go through a launch like this? 
Yeah, um, we use Slack, of course, as our, our number one tool. Uh, and I think for us, what we was really useful about Slack is, you know, the way you use Slack is you have like a channel for one project, but we actually had 10 different channels. So that was kind of how you keep things organized. Like we have one for the engineering team, we have one for the marketing team, we have one per experiment. So everything has its own space um, and it's kind of under bucketed in this, into, under this entire trials umbrella. So that was really helpful. Um, especially now, I think being remote, using these kind of remote brainstorm tools is also really helpful to think through, you know, what are the experiments we want to run and what are the big bets we want to take. Um, so this morning we used uh, like, you know, Miro is one of the tools that the design team loves to use to do to run brainstorms. Lucidchart is another one. Um, so I think those actually, you know, in the last six months since working remotely, um, those have been really, really helpful. Yeah, I think there's always like, I'm always like a really big proponent of the the Google Sheet format like I love being able to track everything on that and I will I'll always default to that I don't know why I just I know it and I I just yes it's one of those things where I'll always just I'll always come back to it I use Trello I've used Asana I've used all those tools but there's nothing to me that's as good as a nice Gantt chart in a Google sheet yeah and I mean love a good sheet and we use that too to keep track of all of our experiments because you know at the beginning you don't have that many but six seven months later you have literally dozens of experiments um, and so being able to go there and track it and you know pull those results and speak to it uh, really quickly is definitely very helpful. So one of those experiments that you just mentioned can you walk me through one of your favorite experiments that you ran uh, within that entire uh, go-to-market approach like I'm just thinking of you mentioned like these six-week sprints what was like your mm -hmm. favorite thing to go out and test was it more like on the messaging side was it more on like seeing if people would react to specific features what would you say was your favorite thing to go out and test? Yeah, one of the things we did early, early on, like I think this was last year, was um, running a lot of these messaging research tests to figure out not not really just about the trial itself, but you know how do we get how do we collect information enough information from teams so that way we can surface content that's appropriate to them without it making feel like we're safe we're stealing their data. Um, you know, there's a kind of a fine line, especially these days. So we did a bunch of experiments, you know, like as they're signing up for a trial, you know, how many steps in that onboarding flow is okay to include and how many things we can ask. And these could be questions from like, what industry are they in? How many people are on their team? You know, what, what not even what industry, like what sub, what department are they in? Like, are they marketing sales? Um, and then going back and forth and seeing like, do people think this is weird? Do people think this is relevant? And I think the best part is like with the design team, we actually, we are creating like clickable prototypes. So we're actually talking to users and like having them click through it and seeing not only what they're telling us, but seeing how they react. Like, are they are weird out that we're like asking them a million questions? And I remember like at one point we, I think we were asking some question about industry or something. It was a really specific question. And people, someone was like, why are you asking me this? Like none of, no, nothing you've showed me has anything to do with this question. And we were like, okay, so like, even though we thought what we were surfacing them was very relevant, they're like, this doesn't make sense. Um, and I, I mean, for me personally, I love, I love sitting in those research sessions because you just get these like nuggets of information of things that you just didn't think about because you're so close to the product. And, and, you know, and that was kind of step one, even in designing the trial is like, what does that onboarding flow even look like? Uh, and so, and you know, that's what we have even today. Right. And I think like, so I've had a very, very minimal amount of experience when it comes to the whole product-led growth model. And I think onboarding is one of the most important things, right? Like you need to be able to personalize it specific to that user. So when that person was like, oh, why are you, show why are you asking this question about industry? And it's like, well, it's because I want to personalize your experience based on what you care about. And I just know like from, from the times that I've been able to go and test that messaging, it's been super valuable to learn about what these people want because 
not only can you translate that back into good messaging, but then also back into the product as well, where they might have a little bit of a different experience because you can build out a feature to actually do certain things based on who they are within the product. Yeah. And I especially like, I mean, you right said it, like with messaging and being product marketing, you are at that intersection of both product and marketing and being able to nail messaging that applies across both um, is super important. And especially for a product like Slack, where there's, there's already so much going on in Slack. And so there's only so much you can service education in the product because ultimately this is a work tool and you also want them to use it to work. And that's where kind of like the marketing side of all this comes in where we're like, okay, like how do we, I know we don't use email, but actually we do use email to help educate people to learn about Slack. How do we use like the website to help direct drive people to learn? What is it like, can we create video content? Um, like I just created a, a webinar for our trial users that launched last week, stuff like that. Um, and that messaging like kind of thread goes through all of this. Yeah, the PLG entire business model is something that's super interesting to me. And I, I've been on a bunch of different kicks in the past, like, half year just learning more about it and i know like obviously i'm learning a ton about this from you just speaking to you right now but um <laughs> it's definitely something that i personally want to go deeper on so when you were going through this entire trial motion and looking to bring this to market how did you set goals for yourself like what were kind of the big kpis that you guys were trying to track yeah i mean i think for trials and the ultimate kpi is conversion um, but you know, you ultimately, you may not get there. Like that's, you're not going to like create an experiment. Suddenly everyone is paying for Slack. So you kind of have to go in really small increments. Um, and I think that's kind of a challenge for us as well. Right. It's like, there's so many experiments you can run and it's like, which one do you run first? Um, and then you kind of prioritize They're like, okay, the first thing should be the trial experience. Like people should not want to leave a trial. And if they don't do that, then that's a win. And you're like, people should also like not be writing in as customer support all the time. Like they should understand what experience they're about to get. And if that's, if that's happening, then okay, this is a win. So it's like really, really tiny wins. Um, and that can be hard if you're working on a really large project, which is going to span like this, what took six, seven months. Um, and you're like, I'm waiting for the part where people start converting. Like, that's the thing. And it actually takes you a long time to get to that point. So I think like having that in the back of your head and like taking this time to prioritize into small little uh, chunks helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. So when you actually like got all those KPIs settled and everything was like, okay, great. We've tested this, we've validated this. And you decided that this is something that you were going to roll out to everybody who's going to be signing up for Slack moving forward. What did that, what did the external communications look like? Did you guys do any sort of like press release or any sort of like email out to prospects or was it just something that you just put into the product or went, it went on your pricing page and you kind of just let it happen organically? Yeah, it was more of the, the, the latter. And I think the reason is it's like, we're not, we didn't change the product really. We're just making it easier to experience it. Um, and so in kind of a, a launch in that way, in a traditional sense, was didn't feel like the, the right way to go about it. Um, so we ended up, yeah, you know, we communicated internally so everyone knows. And I think for us, the big piece was like equipping our cross-functional partners within the team to be, to know about it. Um, you know, and like customer support is a really big one because they can also, they can talk about it when people are on a trial and have questions. Sales is another big one because, you know, they can use trials as a lover to talk to prospective clients um, or prospective customers and stuff like that. And on the marketing side, you know, then it's kind of thinking through like, what are the entry points for trials that we want to do and like consider the launch that way. So like looking at the web entry points and paid ads um, and email are kind of our main channels right now for that. Yeah, I was going to say on the marketing side would have been interesting because I'm assuming it's probably just incorporated into a lot of the campaigns that you're running today, depending on like yeah. where the person is in the buying journey. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of it is like really auditing before you even launch anything new. It's like you're like, okay, like what do 
all of our emails actually say? Like, what is our website actually saying? Like, does it make sense? Um, so I think, yeah, a good portion of my time before launch was like doing a good proper audit of like all the communications that these users, this particular cohort is potentially exposed to and revising that. Yeah, which I'm assuming took a lot of time because just in general, like we just went through a website redesign and the amount of pages that the team had to go through and either just audit or update was insane. There's so much and I don't, I don't know how it happens, but especially in web, like you're just constantly spinning up landing pages and you're like, oh no, how many do I actually have? And it's like not even just the, like the slack.com entity, it's also the help center. Like it's also the blog, like it's also the other things that you have to go through. Yeah, no, I completely, completely understand that pain. So what, did, what does post-launch look like for you guys? What are you looking at for uh, updates to the free trial motion? What are you guys looking at for uh, KPIs that you're looking to uh, potentially track that weren't there in the beginning? Yeah, so I mean, you know, I think our North Star is still conversions um, with the trial experience. Now, of course, it's been out for a few months, so we've had a chance to see how users are, re are reacting to it. And it's really just like optimization. And this is... It's challenging because you want to optimize it, but you also want to continue to make big bets, um, which is what our brainstorm is about this morning is exactly on how to do this. And, you know, we have these two trial types, like I mentioned before. So now, like up to date, we've kind of treated all the trials as more or less the same, like they're getting the same type of comms, they're getting that kind of stuff. So now we're like, okay, like how do we make this new user trial super, super specific to these new users? And then how do we make this Slack Connect trial super, super specific to this to this particular audience? So that's kind of the next phase of this is like really going in on personalization um, across the product and across marketing channels as well. Yeah, and do you have any sort of like campaign spun up for this or is this something that was already baked into it that you guys just created a ton of content that you can leverage throughout the trial motion? It's a little bit of both. I mean, I think when Slack Connect launched as a feature, there was a there was a traditional go-to-market launch for that, and there's a ton of content that's already out there. So that's really good, and we can kind of re reuse that. Um, but a lot of it is creating net new ones. Like I just mentioned, like I just recorded a webinar um, about our premium plans. Like we didn't even have a webinar telling people like what to expect when you pay for Slack. And now that's now that's like a new piece of content that we can push through, you know, product and marketing channels. So it is kind of a little bit of both. Right. And just, I mean, as you guys start to just push out more stuff to the market too, I mean, this is always just an offer that you have in your back pocket, right? Like, Hey, just start a trial of Slack and see it for yourself. Like it's always something that's going to rear its head one way or another, I'm assuming. Yeah. And especially in the B2B space, like trials is really like, you know, and it's kind of funny because trials itself is, it's not new, it's not super creative, but it's so impactful. Um, and Slack, as you know, has been like extremely word of mouth uh, marketing to be successful. Like we've been really lucky that way. And, you know, my previous company Dropbox was the same. Like we, it was just like people just latched on the product from the beginning. So in a way it makes your marketing job really easy, but you know, now we're like, we're a public company, we're maturing and we have to start being a little bit more strategic and levering, leveraging trials is a great way to do that. Yeah, no, I agree. So what would you say was the biggest challenge for you throughout this entire process? Yeah, I think for us, the biggest challenge, which is still something we have today, is how do you prioritize all the experiment ideas that you have? You know, like, there's so many things you can run, and you it can be as big as changing, you know, like, yeah, the number of days in a trial, or it can be as small as changing the subject line of an email, and those can have vastly different impacts. So, like, a big part of what I work with the product team on is, like, how do we make sure that we're working on the right thing? Um, and how do we go back to those large questions that we had a year ago and make sure that like we are North Star is there. And it can be hard because sometimes, you know, things can come up and you're like, oh, well, customers are saying that 
they actually like don't like this feature. Like, should we still be talking about it? And we're like, okay, but the data says that people actually do like this feature. So it's like trying to reconcile these is really hard. Um, and kind of on that same note too, like it's such a huge, huge cross-functional effort. Um, and so it's really just important to stay super, super tight and over-communicate. And otherwise you can like literally just miss some experiment results that could affect your piece of the project. So, you know, like for us, we have, we do standups twice a week. Like you can imagine how Slack users who work at Slack use Slack, like it's an explosion. So there's just like constant communication, but it's really the only way to make sure that we're working together. Makes sense. So what would you say would be the one piece of advice that you would have uh, for somebody who might be thinking about going through the process of putting a free trial motion out there, considering the challenges that you just mentioned? For us, the main thing has always been like, what is the best, what is the best thing for the customer? And, you know, for, it's really hard when you're working at a company and something, especially like Slack, where we use Slack every day, we are just way, way too close to it. And you can kind of lose sight of what a brand new non-Slack user thinks. And I think for something like trials or really like growth in general, it's like, what is, it always just comes down to like, what is the best thing for the customer? And like, what are they going to say? And like, really, really putting yourself in their shoes and trying to have that empathy. Right. And I think like that's always, that's something incredibly important in marketing in general is just empathy as a whole is just trying to make sure that you're just getting inside the minds of your users, of your customers to make sure that, you know, that you can provide them with the best experience possible. I think it's something that everybody says, but not necessarily everybody follows through with. Yeah. And I think there's ways to do it, right? Like one way is the research path where you're like talking to users. And the other way is just kind of like doing it yourself. Like I have Slack, I have a Slack with my partner that we use and he does not work at Slack. So just going through that interactions teaches me a lot about how people think about it. And then I have another Slack for my, I'm in like a writing community. So we use Slack all the time. And again, they're they're not tech people. So those are just like really easy ways for me to be like, oh, how are people actually using Slack? Like, what is the difference between how I use it and how they use it? And it's so, so helpful. Yeah, it was one of those things where I saw on Twitter that somebody put up like, have you ever actually gone through uh, a sign up process of your product? And like actually went and saw what the experience would be for a user that you're expecting to give you their money. And it was just yeah. really, because I'm assuming not a lot of people actually do that. No, I was like, or maybe you do it when you're like interviewing for that company and then you just don't do it at any time after that. And it's really humbling. It really, like, it really, really isn't something that I like to do, not even for my own product, but for other products as well. Like, I think that's a big part of my job and I think product marketing in general is like, I'm, I'm constantly like, what does the Dropbox flow look like now? Like, what does the HubSpot flow look like? And just like get ideas and see how I feel when I'm doing that. I was going to say, it's kind of like your own like swipe file, but then you probably have a ton of experience now where you could be like, well, I could actually give them some feedback on how they could do that better. I'm thinking yes. your consultant type of opportunity. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Totally. And I have like an entire folder of like email screenshots from different onboarding emails I've gotten and like little screen recordings of like me going through it on desktop and on mobile and like all these different things. And it's like, you know, it's really easy to just be scrappy and do your own research and just get all that stuff together. Yeah, some of the best emails that I've seen come from the consumer world, where you know you're signing up for something like uh, Lululemon or something like that, and they actually have killer email copy. Yeah, those ones are so good. And there's also this um, website I love called reallygoodemails.com, which is such a silly name, but honestly tells you exactly what you need. And it's really fun to still poke around there. You know, there's like congratulations emails, like cart abandonment emails, and all these things, and you can just spend so much time looking at stuff. For sure. So before I let you go, I am going to ask you a question that I definitely did not let you prep for before. Actually, <laughs> okay. a list of questions. 
And it's going to be, what would you say is your favorite Slack feature that you use on a regular basis? Because oh. I know mine. And I'll okay, tell you, do you want? No, I'll tell you after. Okay, my favorite Slack feature is, oh, I know, it's a really silly one. It is the ability to, to use Reactjis when it's, when, so that's if you're reacting to someone's message with an emoji. Um, and also kind of related to that, like adding custom ones. So, you know, for people who don't use Slack, like you can add as many custom emojis as you want. And you can also make GIF emojis so they'll kind of move around and dance. And so this is something I just like love it. Cause it's like, you can just see, it's a really great way to like, show your personality in a work setting. It's like what kind of emojis you use to respond to people. And everyone has their own favorite emojis. And I have, I have um, my favorite emoji, which I think we only have at Slack is called like party Keanu. And it's like a little picture of like Keanu Reeves dancing. Um, and I use it for every single thing just to show that I'm happy. So I think that's, it's like a, such a silly small one, but I love it. No, but that's like the stuff that's like super delightful and why people love using products. So I would say I absolutely love that too. Emoji reacts are probably my favorite. We actually, on our team, we have people who have specific emojis that like basically reference them. So like we yeah. have a last name is DeWolf and he uses the wolf emoji. And like, that's just really a fun way to engage with the people that you're talking to on a regular basis. Especially now with, with like remote work, it's like you really can talk to people in a whole new way with that. Yes. So I would say my favorite uh, Slack feature is the Giphy integration backslash Giphy. Yes. It's by far and away the most fun to use in any situation. I mean, it's exactly what you send a text to your friend and you go and use the GIFs. Same way, backslash Giphy, super easy. And it just is the easiest way for me to communicate my you know, feeling or like what I'm like actually reacting to within this, with what somebody actually says. Yeah. And I think, you know, we get, a, there's a lot of criticism of Slack that it's like a fun tool at work. And I'm like, why shouldn't work be fun? Like these are the things that makes work really fun. And I love, and that's one of the things that I really love about Slack. And I used Slack before I joined the company. And I was like, this is why I love it. Like you can't get that kind of personality and like, you know, trust and relationship building with iMessage or like anything else. Like it really is just like this thing that's so lovely about Slack. I know iMessage needs to come way, way yeah. with where they're at. And they just did it with the uh, replies to specific texts. So hopefully we can start getting some emojis. Oh, I didn't realize. Is that a part of the new release? I haven't even checked yet. It is. It was part of iOS 14, I think. But yeah, it's 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 coming, but it's no Slack. So yeah, I mean, iMessage does have a like, pretty good range of emojis. So I'll give them that. But I think, yeah, Slack is on another level, in my in my opinion, my humble opinion. Completely agree. Well, Shika, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. I learned a ton about not only Slack, but product-led growth model, free trial motions. I know that a ton of people are going to get a really, really good amount of information from this. And I can't thank you enough for, for letting us in on, on your story at Slack. Yeah, of course. It was really exciting to talk about a product that I use and love so much. Well, thank you again. And hopefully maybe in the future, we can have you on for another episode. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Getting to Market. If you like today's show, hit the subscribe button and tune in every Thursday to hear from more marketing pros on how they run their product launches. I'll see you on the next episode.